Welcome to Health Currents Radio. I'm Ellen Goldsmith, your host. Last week, I spoke about seasonal eating from a Chinese medicine perspective. And today, I am so pleased to welcome back Catherine Doimling to the show to expand our conversation about food, eating seasonally, and cooking with what you have. Catherine is the owner and operator of such business with that name, Cook With What You Have, here in Portland, Oregon. And that business is devoted to making cooking a regular, delicious, and creative part of people's lives. Catherine's commitment to food is evident through her work with Slow Food USA as former chair of its board of directors and her ongoing work to support vibrant food communities. I'm so thrilled to have you back in the studio, Catherine. Welcome. Thank you so much, Ellen. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're in that really awkward time of year, you know, when the deep freeze of winter is beginning to thaw, especially in the Midwest and East Coast. Here, it's still dark and rainy, but there are hints of spring. And I'm just wondering what you're doing these days, what you're cooking and working with at this time of year to keep us kind of interested and connected to our food. You know, you're exactly right. It's an, it's an awkward um, time of year. And I remember I actually began my business this time of year um, five years ago. And I the, some of the first classes I taught were in March. And and I had sourced everything from the farmer's market, and it was a real eye-opener for the people I was working with. That there actually are things, both storage crops that we still have, um, like squash and sweet potatoes and potatoes and parsnips and things like that, as well as, you know, collards are starting to show up again that were slowed down over the winter but are, are sprouting again. And speaking of sprouting, my favorite, and it I just picked my first little batch out of my own garden, is purple sprouting broccoli, which is that overwintering broccoli that you plant in the fall. And it, it is one of really, and it's not, a, I mean, it had, actually the leaves are wonderful, but it's a robust green with those wonderful little purple heads of broccoli that I'm, I was so delighted to have a plate of it. Just simply, I think I just steamed it and put a little olive oil and salt on it, and that was it. So isn't it that we know with brassicas and in the winter when they get that cold or even that frost, it makes the foods actually quite sweet? Exactly. And I don't know with purple sprouting broccoli, I'm, I'm sure it's like all the rest. It doesn't form its heads really until, at least in our region here in the Pacific Northwest, the coastal climate, um, till the deep freezes are past. But mine, the plants survived beautifully under all that snow and, and really cold temperatures. And they're they are sweet and tender and delicate. And they are su- and actually, they combine beautifully with some of those storage crops that I was mentioning, with onions that you slowly caramelize or with, you know, potatoes and, you know, garlic, all those things I still have from the previous season. So it's a little bit of mixing the new with the older types of foods. Exactly. And I've noticed in my garden that my chives, which are, you know, this wonderful perennial that just shows up every time, every year, this time, and it's peeking out and my parsley's starting to grow again. So herbs are a nice way to start freshening up those sweeter things too. Right. Now you and I have taught a wonderful class together uh, just to, to attune ourselves to the season and we've combined our, our knowledge and our passion for food from the perspective of the local bounty and from Chinese medicine. And so it's really interesting because chives, they are that new food. And they are, from a Chinese medicine perspective, they're very warming. They're actually fantastic to, I just was reading about it recently, that 
if you squeeze the juice, not through a juicer, but just by uh, pounding it a whole bunch, and then put a poultice on a place where you have arthritis, it's quite good for pain. You know, I just, I love learning those things that you out of your own little pantry or garden bed can do those kinds of things and that overlap, which is what I love about learning from you and the Chinese medicine perspective, both on those healing properties and our culinary healing as well. Yeah. yeah. And what's also really nice about chives is that they're kind of warming. So at this time of year when it's like cold and damp, right, you want something that kind of warms you up on the inside. Yeah, and I've really been feeling that because the weather's it's so variable and it's warm and you kind of take off those layers because it feels so good to have a little bit of warmth and then it, it gets really damp and, and cold again. What are some other foods this time of year that are warming that might be around us that we could pay attention to? Well, I think, you know, you brought up a good point about those spices in our pantry. And there's some spices that are marvelous to add to these kind of plain vegetable foods that can have actually a therapeutic effect on warming us up inside. And they are dried basil, dried fennel, they are um, marjoram, rosemary, caraway, dill even, dried dill, bay leaf, cardamom and ginger. Those things go a little bit more to our digestive system, so they kind of perk up our digestive system. So they make foods that may be kind of more, you kind of like, okay, I've had enough kind of winter squash, you know, I've had enough parsnips, but they kind of enliven it a little bit from a sensorial point of view, but also yeah. from a health point of view. That um, leads me to two questions or one comment first. Last night I made um, a vegetarian korma, like an Indian dish that used turmeric and ginger and cardamom mm -hmm. and caraway and coriander and it, it, I mixed broccoli, new broccoli, and potatoes. So it was that very much that mix of the seasons. So would that be something that is sort of was intuitive or felt good to make, but also might have some good properties for this time of year? Right, exactly. And again, you're mis mixing. I think what's important in spring is you want that newness and that bright life into your system and into your your eating repertoire. But that those are fantastic. We know turmeric is quite well known now for people because it has um, anti-pain properties, anti-inflammatory properties. It's good for the digestion. Cardamom, again, it goes what we call in Chinese medicine, the middle jar of the stomach. So it's kind of, um, it's aromatic. So it kind of wakes it up. So it makes the food easier to digest. And korma, for those of our listeners who don't know what it is, could you just explain that? Absolutely. Korma has as many variations as there are people cooking it, I believe. But it's um, typically an Indian dish, but all over um, the Middle East there are variations. And it's a either a meat or vegetable or combination a braised dish that usually at the end the defining feature is stirring in yogurt. Um, and nuts and seeds play a big role in some of them as well. And so with mine, I stirred in some Greek yogurt at the end. And you don't cook, you don't simmer it with the yogurt because yogurt can break down and curdle, but you add it towards the end and just warm it through. And then I topped this with um, toasted slivered almonds, and it was so delicious. So, you know, it's just that delicious factor is really, really key. I mean, if we don't enjoy our food, my gosh, why bother, right? Exactly. <laughs> so there's a lot of pressure on people. You know, people, there's so much out there around food these days, and it's uh, from, you know, the other end of the spectrum, which are additives in bread to, um, you know, high levels of sugar that people are ingesting to, you know, I should eat paleo, I should eat grain-free, I should eat whole grains, I should eat this, I should eat that. 
And, you know, when people come to, what kind of person comes to you and wants to learn about food? Oh, that's a good question. Um, all kinds, really. And what you what you just described is really um, what was a, a driving factor in my starting this business was to try to free people from some of the anxiety around what to choose and how to read all of the different information. And, and of course, it's very personalized. And there are lots of different people come with lots of different um, health issues that I as a cook don't necessarily can't necessarily um, approach. But what I tend so people come to me wanting to figure out how to make simple foods and whole foods a more regular part of their diet. And I think a lot of people have turned to the processed aisles of whether it's the gluten-free foods or the vegetarian or vegan foods or whatever, and that may not be so satisfying. And so they're looking for an alternative to often on a budget, but just to be aware of how they themselves can have more agency and control and more fun with their food and the things that are good for them. And what, since I am such, um, I just love vegetables so much and I focus so much on them, most people can eat lots of different kinds of vegetables. So it's kind of a, a wonderful equalizer and a, a great, an accessible place. So, and then since I cook all, I'm a, an omnivore and I cook all kinds of things, but if I am cooking grains, they're usually whole and they're sometimes fermented and they are in combinations with lots of um, really nutrient-dense, wonderful things. So I think there are lots of ways for people, irrespective of their specific needs, to find a lot of fun and joy in cooking vegetables around the year. Right. So it's it's really, I think for a lot of people, it can be well, if I'm going to eat vegetables, that means I'm going to have a salad or I'm going to steam some broccoli and put it with some maybe some grilled meat or fish or some beans and rice. And, you know, how many days in a row can you do that, right? So it's really turning people on to the myriad ways that you can use and cook vegetables. You want to give us some examples? I would love to. And what you just said reminded me that when we did that class together, I think you were we were creating things, dishes that were mixed, when you said salads, both raw ingredients and cooked ingredients and pickled ingredients. And I mean, there's just such a, a wealth of opportunity there. Some ideas of... Um, creative ways to to not do that meat potato veg kind of triangle that we were so maybe brought up with or so used to I, I really like to make room temperature dishes that incorporate both as I mentioned raw and cooked dishes so the other night I was I actually I steamed some kale because I, I love kale in all forms but I actually think it's I don't know you can maybe help me with this I, I think you can absorb more of the nutrients if it's actually cooked yeah. So the sort of kale salad phenomenon, I think, can be augmented by steaming the kale for a while before you um, before you mix it with other things, maybe at room temperature. So I made a salad with um, some grated carrots um, that had been marinated in a little bit of lemon juice for a while and sort of softened up. Also a trick I learned from you. And the steamed kale. And then I made um, a sort of rich peanut dressing with... Um, actually a little bit of tahini as well as peanut butter and some sesame oil and some ginger and some garlic and and then finished it with some I love toasted seeds and nuts so they were toasted pumpkin seeds in in this case so it was a bright wintry seasonal kind of pantry stocked dish i mean i tend to keep seeds and nuts on hand carrots are kind of a year round bright blessing that we have and that kale that was a that was a delicious salad it was also very hearty Right. So you're really talking about getting all these different flavors in one dish. You've got kind of the sweet of the kale, a little bit of pungent. You've got the sour with the lemon. You've got the salty. And you have, did we get the sour with the sweet? 
a little bit of bitter with that kale, a little bit. People have that sensibility that it's a little bit bitter, but it really is not so bitter <laughs> in terms of flavor. So getting that satisfaction from foods, I think, yeah, when we go to those processed foods, even the healthy processed foods, you're not getting the whole thing. So you're getting a kind of, I don't know, extraction of it, and it doesn't feel complete. So you're always trying to find something else to eat and nibbling and putting sauces, hot sauce on, et cetera, right? Well, and that leads me to something I wanted to ask you about because I've been, my husband and I both have been really drawn to this really simple condiment that sits on our, our table these days, which is just thinly sliced red onion that we put in a jar covered with red wine vinegar or a different kind of vinegar. And we have found ourselves sort of almost intuitively putting it on most anything. And it may not be as nuanced as a Chinese perspective might give, but it, that acidity and that, that fermentation that the vinegar brings, and we put it on, and my husband actually neither doesn't like onions or pickles. So the fact that he's putting this on everything has just... <laughs> it made me very happy, but it's also kind of a surprise to me. Yeah. So I think we had I had made some chicken enchiladas out of some leftover chicken the other day, and he just put the onions all over them and um, just loved it. So wow. tell me a little bit more about that phenomenon. Well, you know, it's interesting because whenever you pickle something, whenever you ferment something, and there's that marvelous writer, Sandor Katz, who wrote a book about fermentation. And, you know, in all traditional cultures, we have fermentation, right? And it's been a, a way to preserve food uh, from cheeses and yogurts to all kinds of things, vegetables as well. But whenever we ferment food, it starts to actually break the food down a little bit and release a lot of enzymes. And those enzymes and bacteria are e enormously beneficial for our digestive tract. So when you have something kind of rich like a chicken enchilada, if you put a little bit of uh, pickle with that, it's going to help the digestive process on um, whatever you're eating. Um, but the onions specifically are sweet. They're So they're satisfying in that way. They're a little bit pungent because just have a little bit of bite to them. We all know that. From a Chinese medicine perspective, they're warming. And in Chinese medicine, we talked about foods having an affinity for different organ systems, much like herbs do. Herbs are the more potent type of food because it is a type of nutrition. And so onions have an affinity for the lung. And even if you go back in Western tradition, onions have been used as packs putting on the chest for congestion. There's an old home remedy where you put, if you have an earache, you put an onion under your pillow and it helps break up, you know, the pain and congestion in the ear. You can cook onions with the, till they're soft with a little honey and then drink it as a tea, which is enormously beneficial, again, for a cough and for the lungs. So, you know, you're instinctively eating something, as in the case of these pickles, of helping in the digestion. And they also add another kind of enlivening flavor to any meal because of the effect fermentation has on our digestive system. Yeah. Well, it's been so fun, and it reminded me of the year I lived in Mexico where you find a little dish of escabeche, the jalapeno, carrot, and onion pickle that is not quite ubiquitous, but you see in a lot of places, and it just is on restaurant tables, at home tables, and is really consumed alongside almost everything. So how are you making these? You're just slicing the onions really thin? I'm literally just cutting an onion in half, and if it's large in quarters, and I do red because it's particularly beautiful. I don't, I've done it with others when I haven't had a red onion. And then I take a, a little pint mason jar and and put the onions in and just cover it with red wine vinegar and seal it and or 
close it up and put it in the fridge. And the onions really reduce and sink down, so you don't have to cover it generously. You can um, just leave it at that. And then I add a little bit of the vinegar and salad dressings, which has that nice bite and pungency from the onion. And then I've we've been putting them on sandwiches. We've been putting them on eggs. We've been putting them on curries. And it's just been really enlivening and fresh tasting. And yeah, and the vinegar, of course, cuts and sort of cuts down on that bite a little bit, which is something that my right. husband hasn't loved about onions. So maybe that's a, a good way <laughs> why he's taken to them. Exactly. It, it, Speaking of that, I do that with radishes. I cut my little red radishes very, very thin, and I'll put them in with some umi plum vinegar. And that's a very salty type of vinegar, but still it's vinegar. And I just let them sit for 20 minutes, and I have a nice little radish pickle. Sometimes I'll add a little basil in or even some mint just to kind of wake it up. And same thing, my daughter, she doesn't like radishes, but she will really enjoy the radish pickle with a little bit of basil or mint, or you can add... Perilla, which is that, um, uh, I think it's Thai basil. It's a kind of red basil that you can grow in your garden really easily. So in terms of when spring really finally jumps in, what are you looking forward to? Well, I'm working on a project where I'm I'm uploading a lot of recipes I've created over the years onto a, a sort of aggregated site. And so I've been reading a lot of and writing a lot of spring recipes and in anticipation of those. And today I've been writing about pea shoots and the pea greens and tendrils, as well as snap peas and and also fava greens and fava beans. And again, both of those are examples of legumes where you can, and you see this more and more at farmer's markets now, the greenery that comes with it that you can enjoy, as well as the more mature fruit and or vegetable in um, the form of the fava bean or pea. So I'm very excited about those, as well as spinach and and, you know, just when the mustard greens, when it gets a little warmer, the mustard greens and the, the salad turnips, the Japanese salad turnips and the spring green garlic is a, one of my very, very favorite things. And one of the early things, and I, I learned about it from shopping at farmer's markets starting maybe 12, 15 years ago, and little bunches of tender green garlic that looks a little bit like a young scallion would show up. And so I just can't wait to get my hands, and actually I have them in the garden, so I will start picking my own soon. Right, so all of you out there who go to the farmer's markets and you see your carrots or your turnips or your beets and you, they got the greens on the top or your radishes, don't throw those greens out. Don't throw them out. Please don't throw them out. You can <laughs> add the greens to soups, to stir-fries. You can um, just saute them on their own um, just with a little in a little bit of maybe coconut oil, which is delicious with the mustard greens and the turnip greens and or a little garlic, a little soy, a little sesame, all wonderful with those. No, they're just delicious. And the other thing you'll start seeing a lot of when the um, markets really get going is the, um, the brassicas that are going to seed. So they're more leafy and they already have little blossoms, like they'll be called kale rob or Brussels sprout rob or collard rob, which is not exactly perfect nomenclature, but that's what you'll see. And it's that that new growth before it really goes to seed. And it has that pungency and bitterness. But if you, and this is important, if you blanch them briefly, just for a minute or two in salted boiling water, and then saute them, you get the perfect balance of sweet and bitter. If you just saute them, they can be quite bitter. Oh, that's a good thing. To, that's a really great tip to, to know about. So that's fantastic. And really what we're doing is we're ingesting spring. We're, we're kind of doing that internal spring cleansing. I talked about it last week. In spring, what we really want to do is let go of the storage of winter, gently, not too intensively, 
but we want to move things. And so that pungent flavor from a Chinese medicine point of view starts to help move things around in the body. And that sweetness of the new vegetables helps to soften us so that we can be more receptive and open. So these are things that, you know, they're out there in nature. We don't have to go to, to Chinese medicine school to learn all about it. We have an instinctive, if we allow ourselves to get outside our own box of produce and look at what's really there, we can really, as you do in your business, cook with what you have and cook with what is there. And, and it's right for us because Chinese medicine was like the original locavore medicine, but every traditional culture is the locavore medicine. And I love that. And it's why I love learning from you and seeing how the Chinese talk about it and then kind of appropriating that sort of mentality to what you grew up with or what you already know and starting to think a little bit more deliberately about the warming and the cooling and the, the moving. And I just, I can't stop talking about the things I'm excited about. Nettles are really, and my mom, she lives out in the woods, but are already starting to pop in nettles. Can you, is, do they play a big role in Chinese food or medicine? You know, I don't know that, but I know that they're great blood cleansers. They're really good for allergies. So throwing them in a risotto, sauteing them, putting them in soups, drying them and making tea is, is a marvelous way to use nettles. We could go on and on about this forever, but I think it's so marvelous that you're doing this work and, and bringing people back in contact very simply with a lot of pleasure to the pleasures of food. <laughs> and uh, I wondered if we could just on our site throw a little link up for maybe a nice little spring recipe for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I was just thinking that I did. I have a risotto recipe called Very Green Risotto, which includes three different kinds of greens. So maybe we'll link to that one. Oh, that's fantastic. So be sure to look for that link on the website. And if you want to learn more about what Catherine is doing, you can go to her website, cookwithwhatyouhave.com. And in May, you want to really look and see what's happening because she has something new and exciting coming your way. And you can also find her at facebook.com slash cookwithwhatyouhave. Catherine, thank you so much for being with us today on Health Currents Radio. Thank you, Alan. It's such a pleasure. Um. Okay, I'm just going to do my last little thing. That's all for our show today. I'm Ellen Goldsmith, and I want to thank you for being with us on Health Currents Radio. Thank you to our sponsor, Pearl Natural Health, a naturopathic acupuncture and Chinese medicine clinic in downtown Portland, Oregon. You can find Pearl Natural Health at pearlnaturalhealth.com. And remember, you can always listen to Health Currents Radio and find all of our past shows and our past shows with Catherine Doimling as well at healthcurrentsradio.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, find us on the mobile app Stitcher for those of you on the go, find us on Twitter at Pearl Natural, or join the conversation on facebook.com slash healthcurrentsradio. We want to know about you, how you're transforming your life through your health, and what you're eating this spring. <laughs>